All right. Tonight, we have the uh, blessing of hearing from my most favorite. How do I say this? Female friend, teacher, my favorite wife ever. My, my only wife. We believe the scriptures. I'm an elder in the church, and I'm the husband of one wife. <laughs> that doesn't mean she's not my favorite. <laughs> I, love, I love these holes, though. They're so much fun. Oh, yeah. No, that's amazing. Oh, you're bringing tissues. Let me clear this for you. Come on up. Wow. Yes, that is off. Well, it, it's turned down. Perfect. So this is my wife, if you don't know. His only wife. <laughs> yep. No. Yeah, I got enough house projects to do. Can you imagine? How I roll, Chris. <laughs> no more holes. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so. <laughs> they muted me. Faster than me. All right. My, uh. Spiritual gifting is uh, instigation and awkwardness. I know they're not listed in Corinthians, but I don't believe that list is exhaustive anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, man, where was I? That you love me. Yes, I do love you. We've been married for, it'll be 21 years. Yep. And what's the date today? <gasps> oh, wow. Tomorrow is 23 years ago we started dating. Yeah. yeah. Yay, God. I wanted to go out with you in the Applebee's parking lot. I did in Fayetteville, Georgia. Right, said, wee -wee. right after youth group. Yeah. Amen. Well, I mean, I could stay in this bubble here with you. We got time. Yeah. I don't know if they want David to. Hogan did it. Give me a kiss, woman. <laughs> Oh, pretty lady? That's fine. Okay. Anyway, I love her. Lord, I love you. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for her name that means little truthful one. And I thank you that you've even used her name to sanctify me in your truth. I thank you for the word that dwells richly in her. Thank you for the wisdom, the joy, the sobriety. Thank you for everything that you've blessed her with. I thank you for her help, just in life and family and ministry. And I thank you for a faithful friend. Thank you for her creativity. Thank you for a good Jewish business sense. Thank you for her big fluffy hair. Thank you for her smile. Thank you just for the joy that she brings to me. I ask that you would anoint her heart and mind to hear you, 
that you would be with her to help her speak and think, and that she would speak your word to your saints. Ask that you would prepare our hearts and our minds to be able to understand and comprehend with all the saints, that you would touch our hearts so that we would feel the things that we understand, and we just ask you for your leadership uh, tonight, that your word would be exalted and glorified, that Jesus would be lifted up and glorified and exalted and made known. We thank you for a spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus. What does Jesus see and feel and think about the things that he sees and what are the things he's gonna do about those things? And so we just thank you for your word. Tonight, Lord, we bless you. Amen, amen. I like this hug, so I was trying to make my prayer go really long. Thank you. All right, have fun. I won't talk about how it's not comfortable anymore because he's got big muscles now. Last year, I talked about your muscles, too. Um, hi. How are you? <laughs> I didn't realize we had the authority to make potlucks on our teaching night, or else we'd be eating right now. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm teasing. In, in all realness, though, and as a family moment, um, I, I don't know why coming, I don't know why I've taught before but I feel like the Lord had is having me speak in a different form. Usually I write out a whole manuscript and it's like word for word and I can, if I lose my train of thought, I can do this, but I, the Lord's asking me to teach from within me and um, it's really kind of scary a little bit, <laughs> but I'm trusting him and so my prayer and my belief and, and what I know is that he's with me right now and I'm among friends. And Jesus is in you, and if he's not, we'll get him in you. <laughs> and he's in me, and that the fellowship of the Spirit would be sweet tonight and full of love. And so, Lord, I just ask that you give me the words to encourage your beautiful body tonight. And I've given myself permission to slow down, because my mind can go really fast, and uh, sometimes I forget to pause. So Cassie encouraged me in that too. Um, tonight, I want to share um, something that the Lord has been really doing in me. Uh, I feel like it's important when you bring something that you've walked through it. Um, you have the testimony of it. I'm still walking through it. I'm never going to stop. But I feel like there's a, there's a anointing, I guess, to bring it to you. And so it's the kindness and the correction of the Lord. And my funny name for it is um, Everyone Needs a Spanking, a memoir. So <laughs> anyway, so there's uh, so much going on in my heart around the topic of the correction of the Lord. And the correction of the Lord is synonymous with the kindness of the Lord. Like he's, because he's kind, he will correct you. And oftentimes we don't realize that until later on in life, or maybe you get the, the privilege of knowing that earlier, but um, really it's his kindness. He's so kind to correct us. So I'll open with, and I, I, I asked my son Ashton if he remembered this, and he totally did, with a memory that I have. Um, I remember being in line, the return line at Walmart. Ash, I don't, it had to have been Ashton, you had to have not been 17 or something happened. You weren't driving yet. And I took you to the return line for something. We were waiting in the return line. 
And there's a mom in front of us with a toddler and her, the cart, you know, the sit part that's facing the mom. And the child was yelling, like ugly yelling to the mom. And he wasn't getting his way about something. I don't even know what it was. But the behavior of the mom was just completely like he wasn't existing. Like she was not even paying attention to him. And it escalated. She ignored him. He escalated. She ignored him. He escalated until finally uh, the kid like smacked her in the face. With, with his hand. And Ashton and I both were like, oh my God, <laughs> that's horrible. Hold on, let me do something with my, I gotta make this so it doesn't daze out. What is that called? The sleep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Display, it's under display, right? Like don't go to sleep. What, how do I do this? I think I'm okay. I think I can, I can look it up, right, on the side. I'm getting old. Do you? Come here. What's your name? Ross. Ross, help me. <laughs> How do I get it to not turn off when I'm like off my computer? So first you gotta go to settings. Yeah, I was in settings. Oh, you're getting out all my tabs. Ross, I won't know where I'm at. Do you want me to help you? Do you know Mac? Yeah. Oh, there it is. Those are the settings. I just have it in here where I was looking for sleep. I'm sorry. That's going to bug me, though, if I don't figure it out now. So so if you exit out of that, you won't see the S anymore because I was looking for sleep. Here. You know what's going there? Screensaver, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, I'll finish my story while, while he's looking for that. So... <clears throat> Smacks the kid in the face, or no, the kid smacks mom in the face, and then she then proceeds to just, he's like wailing, and she's just kind of like dot, like doing this number to the child. And we were shocked that this was happening. Again, she wasn't addressing it. She did not take him out of the store, nothing. And then we continued with the um, Walmart transaction, and we were walking out, and Ashton says to me, he says he remembers, he says, I'm so glad you spanked me when I was a kid. That's what he said to me. <laughs> and I asked him today, I was like, why did you say that? Like, why? And then he said uh, he couldn't imagine having that kind of dishonor for his mom. He couldn't imagine. But that's how he was raised. That's how I raised him. And so that child, who knows if the trajectory of the discipline doesn't, you know, work out. I think I'm just going to, like, squish it back and forth so it doesn't go to sleep. I think that'll be it. Thank you, Ross. Bless you. No problem. I, I love that you're so willing to help. You must be a two on the Enneagram. Are you a two? Are you? <laughs> you might be a two. I get along really well with twos. Anyway, so this child was unrestrained, full of rebellion, and Ashton today said, even though I didn't like being spanked, I know it was best for me. Now, everyone has a different opinion on spanking, okay? I'm not trying to, like get someone offended here, I'm happy to talk to someone about, there's a whole bunch of stuff on that. You don't have to use it all the time, but it's clearly in the Bible. Um, but anyway, what, what was that? La Chancla. Yes, 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 yes. I, I learned that when I moved here. So anyway, anyway, so. Um, I wanna also disclaim, 
because of this, I, I want to share some parallels between the correction of the Lord and the correction of children because I really hold a deep conviction that we as parents, we have the weighty responsibility of posturing our children's hearts to either receive or reject the correction of the Lord, to raise them, to shepherd them. And I remember when I was younger, I was a very young mom. I was a young mom. I think I was 20, I just turned 21 when I had Ash. And then I had Parker 14 months later. And it was really hard, and I was really young and stupid. <laughs> and there was a community around me, and um, there was a mom who saw how I was, you know, having the, raising the kids and saw that Ashton was pitching a fit. He was real little, like real little. And he, she took me aside, and she said, and I trusted her. I knew her. I had, she had investment into me. And she said, Allie, you need to add a one to the age of Ashton, and that's the behavior he'll display as a teenager if your trajectory of what you're doing now continues. And I was like, whoa, that shooketh me because he was getting sassy and all this stuff. I was like, I don't want a 13-year-old sassing me. I don't want a 13-year-old ignoring me. I don't want, you know, like it's, an, it's, that's not, that gets worse. It's worse when they're older, right? So that really shook me up. And so then I started to press into the Lord and asking him, um, how to correct, for him to correct how I was correcting my children. So that was, that was a, a big um, light bulb moment for me. But anyway, with all that said, I don't claim to have know it all about child raising or the correction of the Lord in my life. I've made really a lot of mistakes. <laughs> but I will say that I have raised two young men back there, and I can judge fruit and the fruit of my womb, and I know we did a lot of things wrong, but we did some stuff right, um, and by the Lord's grace, I have two really enjoyable young men as sons. That's why I brought my tissue, <laughs> um, and I really enjoy them a lot, and I'm enjoying this season of our life, so anyway. I've been preparing for tonight for several weeks, and I've been grateful for the correction and tears of repentance in this season of my life. I've been asking the Lord for eternal perspective. Um, my constant prayer has been that the Father of lights would illuminate my heart because I want to see everything. I want to see everything in me that can be corrected and purged. I also want to see, I think this is really important, because I don't want this all to be like, womp, womp. There's also really good stuff to celebrate, too. So as, as he illuminates my heart, I want to celebrate the growth and to be humble in what he was asking me to grow up in. So I think that's important to celebrate. It's a, he's so good. There's a time, there's a time, right, Ecclesiastes? So we don't want to forget the celebration. So interestingly, um, there's this book that I read. I've said it to a lot of people, Unclutter Your Soul. I read this this last summer, and I felt like it was a primer for what the Lord was doing like in these last couple months for me. Um, this helped me so much, and it is kind of a little bit feminine, but like 
I think there's some good truths in there. I love that she has a daily devotional every single day of things to go to the Lord and ask him about. Um, but this was like the first thing into what the Lord started to do. So I wanna share with you a vision I have, and some of y'all may have already heard it. It was, when was it, Cassie? You were singing over here. Daniel was, Doree gave me flags. How long ago was that? When was that? It was before 10 days. It was sneaky. Doree was sneaky. Yeah, two months ago, about eight, seven, eight weeks ago. Anyway, so there was a time of worship, and Daniel was leading. Cassie was, of course, and there's, Jonathan, were you up? I think you might have been on the, I don't know. I don't remember. I was flagging back here because Dorit gave me flags, and they were blue, and I was singing, and I just, I don't usually flag in front of people. It's the first time I ever really flagged in front of anybody. I was just in the back, happy as a clam by myself, and the Lord is just, oh, they were singing Fling Wide. That's what it was. Let the winds blow, let the, because that's when I started going, started to go ham with it, started getting crazy, and um, the Lord the fire, there was, a, there was a, a, in my heart, fire was coming out of my mouth, like a, a chorus of fire. Cassie had earmuffs on, so she could not hear me, and she started singing, Marshall heard it, the same thing I was singing, it was really bizarre. <laughs> but she starts singing the same chorus I was singing about fire, because the Holy Spirit lives in us both, and we were listening. <laughs> And so I was like, man, I wish I had, I thought just in a split second to the Lord, man, I wish I had red flags right now. And Jesus said, but the blue's the hottest of the flame. And I said, oh yeah, that's right. And then he told me, there's a whole nother backstory, but I won't go into it, but he told me to come to the front and like release the thing that he imparted to me, like when no one was in here during a prayer meeting, but just Dave and I, and I was like, no, thank you, because I don't want to be in the front. And then he asked again. He said, release in the front, what I gave you on Thursday. And I said, please, no, I really don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm not a flagger. And then he asked me again, and it was that knowing of like, it was like this, please, like, please, will you do this? And like, I knew he wasn't going to ask me again. And so reluctantly, it was no, it wasn't reluctantly. It kind of got to, I, I, something switched in my brain where I was kind of like, like the Mel Gibson in the movie Braveheart where he's like, freedom, and he just goes for it. That's like what happened. I just started coming down the aisle all ham and started going ham up here. It was nuts. I hurt my shoulder in the midst. I, it was crazy. Anyway, so I'm flagging like nuts. I feel the pleasure and the, and the excitement and the joy of the Lord over me for my obedience and then I start just, I crashed here sobbing because it was so overwhelmingly wonderful. And in that moment, he, he had, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know if it was a vision or not, but it's my imagination. It was my, and in my mind's eye, I saw this flame and I saw this blue part of the flame was a door type thing. And I saw the Lord's hand come out from the blue, the center of the flame, inviting me in to the center of the flame, to the, to the hottest part of the flame. And I was like, yikes, that looks hot. And, but he was gonna be with me. He was there, because his hand was coming out. 
And so I took his hand and I stepped into it with him and then poof, that was done, that was that. And then the next few weeks, <laughs> proceeded to have some really hard conversations. <laughs> and the Lord was doing all sorts of stuff in my heart. Um, so that's, that is the start two months ago was the start of this correction thing. And I've always known, you know, we know that the Lord loves to correct and stuff, but just really meditating on what it means to be corrected by the Lord. So there's been many forms that the Lord used in this two-month time period, and I'll talk about some of that later. But it was, it's really been, I'm really grateful. I'm grateful because it's purifying my heart. It's um, getting out the clutter. It's, um, there's a lot of joy in it, and I could get to that later, but. I want to start, I want to get in the Bible. I love the Bible. That's kind of like my intro, I guess. And I have a lot of verses, and we will turn to them because I need more time to fill. (laughs) But I want to talk about the language, a lot of the language that the Bible has for correction. It says in John 15, if you want to turn with me, if you have your Bibles or phone or whatever, I like, I love books, like actual books. And I love my Bible because I can mark it up. Uh, How many years ago, Bill and Angie Nunez was fifth, oh, here. Fourteen years ago was before Kingdom Life. Anyway, Billy and Angie Nunez, some of you all have met them. They were here a long, 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 long time ago when we were serving them at their house of prayer. I remember Angie prayed over me that you would have a John 15 reality. So John 15 has been really special to me. But we'll start in verse 1 and just do the first two verses. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So pruning, pruning, they use this word pruning. Notice, though, that it's the the branches that bear fruit that he prunes. So if you're being pruned, congratulations, you're bearing fruit. (laughs) That's, it doesn't, it's not fun though. I remember Jonathan coming to my house, helping home tree in my backyard, and they were just going at all these little twigs that were coming up because they suck the life, right? Don't they kind of, in essence, they like kind of take stuff from the tree to some extent, like, and they were just, they were just taking it all off. And my tree looks so stately now. And he even checked it the other day. He was over, and he's like, still looks good. And I was like, yes, awesome. Like, we'll deal with it when we need to again. But pruning is really hard. Um, I remember another pastor talking about pruning, and there's a guy who hires someone else to prune his, um, uh, it's like grape vineyards or something, because it's too hard for him. Because I guess he doesn't want to prune it back as much as it needs to. And so it actually hurts the yield that you get. So he hires someone else to do it who's not as invested so that it cuts back everything so then he gets all this fruit and for, I guess, the winery or whatever it is. 
And I thought that was very interesting. Like he just couldn't, he couldn't do it. But pruning, so if you're bearing fruit, you're gonna get pruned. And so the pruning, the, this kind of corrections is unto fruitfulness. It's unto more fruit. We wanna be fruitful for Jesus. The other way, the other term that you'll see it, if we turn to Malachi 3, Malachi. There's so much more in Malachi than the tithing verse, by the way. It's a wonderful book. (laughs) Malachi 3, 1 through 4. Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings and righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. So he's purifying. He's a pure, this correction is unto holiness. Getting rid of the dross, like when you're melting the metal the crap comes to the top, and then you have to sift it. I don't know how they do it, but basically you're, you're melting it. The bad stuff comes to the top, and they have to take it off. You have to get real hot. It has to get really hot for you to be purified, and it's unto holiness. And the last um, word that I'll talk about, we'll go to Hosea. It's another prophet, which I love. Hosea 6, 1 through 3. This one might be a little bit more um, known. Well, we have some songs about it and stuff. So Hosea 6, 1 through 3. We actually sang a little bit of it today. Come, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third day that we may live before him. So let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going forth is as certain as the dawn, and he will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. So I feel like this language of wounding, it says several times, torn but heal, wound but bandage that it's unto knowing the kindness of the Lord, that he's not, he's not into torture or causing pain. Pain happens, but it's unto something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Also, too, can I geek out just a little bit uh, before going to Job or go to Job next? But I had always heard, I think I told somebody here, tell me if I told you, um, about the lamb breaking the leg. Did I tell anyone that here? I told you that. Okay, so apparently break, B-R-E-A-K, is incorrect. It's break, B-R-A-K-E. 
because someone, I was like nerding out trying to find like this, I was like, where is that? Where does it say that shepherds break the lamb's leg? Because I'm like, that feels kind of, that feels kind of rough. Like, you know what I mean? And so I was looking it up and someone else had the same idea and they, they wrote to Sheep Magazine. First off, that there's a Sheep Magazine is hilarious to me. I mean, there's everything out there. Um, but the guy got back to him and was like, no, shepherds wouldn't do that because they remember everything. And so they remember if you were the one that broke their leg, like that's something really hard for them to forget. And so what they do, though, a lot of sheep nations will break, B-R-A-K-E, they'll put some sort of weight around the leg so that they can't run off. They call them rogue sheep. They can't run off so that they learn their name because they do learn their name from the shepherd's voice. I actually did not think that was a real thing. It's a real thing. So they break them so that they don't get hurt and run off. That's extra because I was like... But it does say he wounds us, so I was wondering if that was the real thing, but I don't think it's a real thing, and that bears more witness than my spirit, so. That could be up for discussion, I guess, but Job 5, 18 is another one. For he inflicts pain and gives relief. His wound, he wounds, and his hands also heal. Just think that's so, that's just plain as day. He inflicts pain, he gives relief, he wounds, and he, his hands also heal. So, I just wanted to kind of talk about the language that we see in the word about correction and some things that you can explore on your own. Um, going back to my story about Ash and him basically thanking me for correcting him when he was younger, when he had a thankful heart towards my correction, there was something in me that just delighted in my son. Like, yeah, thanks, Ash. Like, you know, I... I really appreciate that you trusted what I was doing in your life, you know? And so I was meditating on what must the Lord feel when we thank him for the correction in our life. I wonder how he feels. I think he feels pretty good about it, too. I think it um, is another communication of trust and that you're completely surrendered to him. So I wanted to talk about some reasons to be grateful. If you have not thought about being grateful for correction, I wanted to give some reasons that you, you, should, you can be grateful for correction. The first one is you're actually hearing the voice of the Lord. Yay! <laughs> I mean, if you aren't getting correct, there's no voice there, right? So that's a good thing. If you're hearing the voice of the Lord... Um, and I wanted to go into some parallels again for like child stuff. I know we have some moms in here. We have some future moms in here. I mean, we have daughter figures. If you don't hear the voice of your parent, what does that often mean? Neglect, right? It's like neglect. You're not talking to your children. So it's actually a good thing that we're hearing him and being corrected because we're hearing his voice. That's the first thing that I was, there's many, probably more than this, but this is what I'm sharing tonight. The Father is delighting in you. That's another reason to be grateful. So Proverbs 3. I love Proverbs. My mom read Proverbs to me every single day. She would read, like if it was the third, she'd read the third Proverb and so on and so forth. 
And so I got this every day for many years. I love Proverbs. So it says in Proverbs 3, verse 12, oh, all of three is like a five-course meal, though. Like, you really should meditate on it if you have time, because it's so good. Um, I'm going to back up to 11. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. So if you're getting corrected, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for delighting in me, that you love me and delight in me. Um, Parallel break time. When my boys were younger, it was really hard to stay on top. It felt like I was saying the same things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. It was much easier for me to just not deal with it (laughs) in the moment. It's not easier later, but it was much easier for me to not deal with it in the moment. And it's so much harder to be intentional and consistent. I'm thinking of your puppies. (laughs) Nisi's got two puppies, and she's, oh, they're so well-behaved. She's got her little bag, and they're like, looking up at her, and I'm like, oh my gosh, she must work with them every single day, and she does. She works with them multiple times a day, but those dogs are well-trained, but it's just like, that's hard to do. <laughs> it takes time. It's frustrating when they don't hear. Even now, I love you boys, but even now, dad's like, it's so frustrating having to tell them the same thing, because <laughs> they're busy, and they have lives now, and whatever, but still, Because you delight in your kids and you love them and you have long-term vision for them, then you do the the hard thing. You, You invest in them. You say the thing over and over again. And it does end up sticking eventually. So we can be grateful because he's delighting in us with the discipline. The third thing I have here is that discipline breeds holiness, which breeds happiness. And Job 5, 17, the one, it was right before the, um, you know, we'd already read about how he inflicts pain, but then he heals. Right before that, if you go back to Job 5, it says happy. Ha- Behold, happy is the person in whom God delights. I'm sorry. Happy is the person whom God disciplines or God reproves. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. And then it goes into the inflicts pain but gives relief. Wounds would also heal. Happy is the man. Is this true? Is this a true book? Says you're happy if you're disciplined. So that's encouraging. And there's other scriptures, too. I have another one later, but, you know, consider it all joy. But there really is. The fruit of righteousness, the fruit of the Spirit, is an operation. So for the parallel for parents, your children will be happier by correcting them. You're shepherding a Godward orientation in their heart. And that's really important because, okay, this book right here is my favorite, favorite book on kids, raising kids. 
Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp, my favorite book. I give this to a lot of new mommies, but I love what he says in here. He says that there's no neutral. That's so true. There's no neutral. Like, some people think they can just stay here, and they're just going to be, they'll just stay here. But sadly, because of the world that we live in, it's like there's sin all around us. If we are not pressing on to know, right, like we kind of end up moonwalking backwards towards the world. So you have to be really intentional at shepherding a Godward orientation in your children, which produces the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a happy person right there if you got those fruits. So I'm going to believe it. And from my experience, it's not pleasant in the moment. I'm segue, segue, segue into my next uh, point is that discipline is the soil in which the fruit of righteousness can be born. So Hebrews we go to Hebrews 12, 4. This is super good. For those, here it is again, for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Hmm. We respected them. That's kind of what Ash was doing to me. She was like, thank you for doing that. (laughs) Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For the discipline, they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet, to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. That's so good. That's, man, we should worship with the word that someday. Like, so good. So it's soil. This is cultivating, it's cultivating righteousness. It's, it's sharing in the holiness of God. And holy people are happy people. I don't care what the world tells you. Holy people are happy people. God is not some cosmic killjoy. <laughs> There's no, sin is fun for a season, the good book says but it's not good for long. (laughs) So anyway, I just really am appreciative of the Lord correcting us. I wanted to talk a little bit about ignorance versus sin. Correction of ignorance and correction of sin. There's a difference. And sometimes we're living in sin or doing something sinful and we know it, like we know what we're doing and the Lord will come and correct and we can receive and humility, and teachable, or we can see our conscience. And that's not good. That's when you start losing the voice of the Lord in your life because you're searing your conscience and you're living in sin. And he can't. He's a holy God. He cannot. It has nothing to do with his love for you. His absolute nature is good and true and light. He cannot fellowship with darkness. Does that make sense? It's not that he doesn't love you. It's that he can't get close to it because it's who he is. He's light. 
So if you're living in the darkness, he can't, does that make sense? Okay, 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 thank you. So, because a lot of people get on, I had one lady say that to me, we were talking about her son who is a homosexual and she's been having some really hard time in the church and I told, because they were being real hard, real hard on her son and I said, I'm not gonna say her name, I said, it has nothing to do with God's love for him. He loves him the same. It has to do that he's living in sin and he can't get close. He just can't. As soon as he starts to turn, like a magnet turning, he'll get close. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So again, pressing forward, any, even just the turn is, a, is something for the Lord. So I don't know, I went on that, but that's, that's where I went. Ignorance versus sin. So. Sin stuff, obviously. Sometimes we're ignorant, though. We just don't know. <laughs> you just don't know. And I'm, I'm going to give some examples of uh, some stuff. So when I was younger, leading worship, I was raised in a Christian home, and so I, I knew, like, what appropriate clothing, right, was to wear in church. I was wearing a kind of low, lower-cut shirt, and I was picking up my guitar on a stage like this, just doing my thing. And this lady came up to me afterwards and she said, Allie, just wanna let you know, when you do that, we can see everything. So you might wanna do this when you've been down on stage. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I felt absolutely mortified because I didn't mean to, I just didn't know. I wasn't thinking about it. So, um, yeah, I try, this is low for me now, <laughs> and I still kind of try to do this every time I bend over, but I just didn't know, and even though it was embarrassing, and I felt bad, I just was like, oh, yes, ma'am, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, you know, and she totally knew that my heart wasn't to be a floozy or anything in church, but, so that was something I just didn't know, and then, you know, the time that I had someone, that lady, other lady, I'm so grateful. Can I just say I'm so grateful for mamas in the church that will say the truth to people? I want to be that. I'm learning. I'm learning how to do that. But uh, told me, talked to me about how I was kind of not being consistent with my boys and how I was disciplined and correcting them and, and um, encouraged me in that. So... As we continue to ask the Lord to search our hearts and give him permission to correct us, where there is sin, I encourage you to be quick to own the decision and to repent really quickly. And where there was ignorance, what the enemy likes to do with the ignorance part is he likes to come in um, and condemn you because he's in poopy pants and he's an opportunist. So... He'll try to condemn you, and so my encouragement to you there is you know, if you know your heart, I'm always like, Lord, search my heart, search my heart. If I know I for real didn't mean to, I just, okay, I made a mistake, move on, enemy, I didn't know any better, and just move on and grow. Just be grateful for the now knowing. <laughs> so anyway, the ability to be accountable now we have the ability to be accountable now to what we are no longer ignorant of. 
Um, so those are some, some reasons to be grateful. And then the ignorance versus sin. And then I wanted to talk about uh, forms, kind of some forms you might have of correction uh, that comes to you. This book is the most pure. It's unadulterated. This is the best form of correction that you can have. Reading this book and listening to the voice of the Lord. Reading this book. You have to know the book. And I'll tell you why. Because these other things that are going to come to you, while they might be true, some of them might not be. Somebody might be saying something to you to try to correct you, and it goes against this book. Right? So you have to know the book. And um, I've, I have a friend who is kind of a baby Christian, I guess, right now. She's getting lit. I'm so excited for her. Like, Christ in me is, like, dancing. And she, I saw a stack. She had a stack of, like, a Bible, concordance, treasury of scripture knowledge or something like that. And I was like, dude, that's a bad stack. That's good. I like that stack. And then she was like, yeah, I, I was um, subscribed to a pastor, and I just took what he said I just took everything he said as the truth, and then one day he said he didn't believe the Bible was infallible, and I was like, what? And then she's like, yeah, I, un I unsubscribed, and now I'm just going to go to the Bible. I was like, good for you. <laughs> it's like, you can't go wrong just reading the Bible. I think that voices in your life that you can, the Lord will put people in your life to help you, but I just cannot stress enough, you have to read the book. I'm harping on this. The Holy Spirit, there's a man that you encounter in this word, John 1. The word became flesh. So encounter the man in the word. Uh, you can also receive correction from maybe someone you've submitted yourself under, maybe a pastor or an elder or someone that you look up to. Um, again, if they say something to you, go back here. <laughs> Make sure it's not contradicting the word. Um, I'm going to say this over and over again, so spoiler alert. You can get accountability within your community. We have a beautiful community here. I am so grateful for y'all. And um, I've had people have pretty courageous conversations with me about things in my life that um, they hold a mirror up to me and say, hey, you got a booger hanging out of your nose in a sense. But I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that they hold mirror up, and uh, it's not fun. I don't like it. I get embarrassed, and my pride gets hurt. But he's given me a community. He's given me you guys to help me. Uh, Proverbs 27, I want, to, I want to read this. I love Proverbs. Proverbs has so much good stuff in it. 27, verse 5. Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. On the flip side of this, I'm trying to learn how to be a faithful friend to people and my getting over, um, 
I don't know how to say it. Getting over the fear of man, I guess. I feel like I've been delivered from a fear, but like just, I don't want to hurt anybody. My intention is not to hurt anybody. And it, it hurts me to hurt people. <laughs> I don't want to hurt people. But I do love truth. I love truth. And my goal is to share truth and love and enjoy, really, because again, it's unto freedom, it's unto joy, it's unto holiness. So accountability within your community is great, but it goes against the book. <laughs> Ask God about it and maybe have another conversation with them. I think that's so important, open communication. I think here, even in this house, if we say something that somehow is off, I mean, it, it can happen. Please come and say, this is what it says, and we can talk. Come to the table of reason, as my husband likes to say. Um, oh, it's Elijah. We steal things from everyone here. So it's not only like stealing. We're sharing. It's all holy, copyright Holy Spirit. Um, okay, another form of correction is a person's life that's modeled before you. Um, and my example is, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I have a, I have a, in Proverbs again, it says, as a mirror reflects a man's face, so are the friends he chooses. So the friends that you hang out with, you're going to end up looking like them. And so a person's life model for you. So my, my friend, now friend Kelly, I was talking to a, a person who's moved on to Illinois now, Oh, God, that sounded like she died or something. She moved on to heaven. <laughs> she moved on to Illinois. She's <laughs> to the cornfields. Uh, but she's no longer here with us. <laughs> oh, But I still talk to her in text sometimes. But I had a conversation with her one day. And on the phone, I have never in my life experienced someone who was quick to hear and slow to speak like Kelly. We'd be on the phone and I'd say something and there'd be, hello, I'm here. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm just listening, taking some time. Another minute would pass by. I was so uncomfortable. I did not, I've never experienced that before in my life, but I got used to it pretty quickly. Um, and I really appreciated that she was listening to the Lord, like for every answer. Um, in that conversation and just her influence on me through the conversation, I'm learning that needs to be corrected in me. I'm way too quick to respond. So that was really encouraging to me that, like, I learned something from your life, from you being you. So that's what we can do for others as well. Uh, and then the last thing that I will share, a uh, form of correction, is your own wickedness. This is fun. Not really. Jeremiah 2. Go to Jeremiah 2. Verse 19. Your own wickedness will correct you, and your apostasies will reprove you. 
Know therefore and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God, and the dread of me is not in you, declares the Lord God of hosts. I want to go to 1 Corinthians 5. It's kind of like, I was like, hmm, this is interesting. And I was wondering if there was another example, and I, th- I think this is an example. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5. Paul's talking, and he's talking about, to the Corinthians, it is actually reported that, that, is, that there is immorality among you, an immorality of such kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife, his mom. Gross. You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead, so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. For I, on my part, though absent in body but present in spirit, have already judged him who has so committed this. Oh, interesting. He's judging him. He's in the church. He can. Says, don't judge outsiders, by the way. Him who has so committed this as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your own wickedness will correct you. It's called the destruction of your flesh. A child left to himself not not good. Like that little kid smacking his mom in the face at like three. Can you imagine at 13, at 23? I mean, if the anger is cultivated in his heart, if he continues in that path, and what if he like killed his mom one day or somebody? That kind of, you think about, someone was talking, I think you were talking to someone on Facebook about Noah's day and the morality, and there's a book, Is God a Moral Monster and stuff, and the flood, and like the immorality in that day was so bad because they had figured out how to be really wicked, and they were living a very long time, and they were like super duper bad people, and I think when God came with the flood, it not only purged the earth of all of that gross wickedness, but it also changed He's so brilliant. It changed the atmosphere so we don't live as long. So we can't like live 900 years being murderers. That's the kindness of God. Can you imagine like all the people like being 900 years, all these people like with wickedness? And anyway, I feel like the destruction of the flesh to me is more scary than a spanking from Jesus. So anyway, we can respond to correction two ways. We can have a cooperative and teachable spirit. And that gives us, um, this. the correction, just so you know, is an opportunity for more nearness with the Lord. Because all of us who have been corrected, it doesn't feel great. A lot of times our, our hearts are broken, right? Like whether, you know, a kid cries when you correct them. But when I would correct my boys, it was a pattern for me to give them a hug and to love on them. And, like, I love you so much. It really pained me to have to do this, but I love you. And it wasn't a, it, it, the goal was not an angry thing. It wasn't an angry thing at all. I mean, I did do it in anger. I'm not perfect. You can ask them. But, um, but the point was our, our hearts are broken. And so in James 4, it says in verse 6, 
But he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And then in Psalm 34, this is the one, is the invitation to nearness. The correction is, is, um, oops, I'm in Proverbs again. Eighteen, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So I don't know about you, but I want to get as near to the Lord as possible. <laughs> and so I try to remember in the moment, because it really, it really stinks when you're being corrected, but from whatever form it is. But I try to quickly remember, like, oh, this is an opportunity for, for God to be nearer to me. So that usually helps. Um, the other way, the other thing you can do is just reject it. <laughs> just say, nope, I'm not going to listen. Um, it says in Proverbs 13, 18, about poverty and shame coming among people who reject the correction of the Lord. It's uh, right here. Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline but he who regards reproof will be honored. Also, it sears your conscience. It, it, if you continue to reject what the Lord is asking you to do, you won't hear his voice anymore, which is very scary. Like, that's, that's not good. Uh, Ephesians 4, 18 and 19 says being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. So you can reject it or you can embrace it. I wanted to ask permission to explore something with you. Is that okay? Because I'm still trying to work it out in my head, in my heart, with the Lord. And I've already guinea-pigged and asked some people in here. So. Um, in asking the Lord for an eternal reality, right, remember at the beginning, I was like, I want, I want eternal perspective I want to know what's eternal because all the other stuff doesn't matter. I wonder if the correction of the Lord is an eternal reality. And so in Revelation, I found this interesting. If you look at Revelation 22, it's important that we go together because if you get something, I would love to know about it. But I kind of want to just explore this. So John has had all these, this vision, right? And it says the final message. That's what the subtitle is. This is very interesting. This is supposed to be the end, I think. That's what I assume. It's the end. There's a white page there. So it's supposed to be. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong, and the one who is filthy still be filthy. 
and let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness, and the one who is holy still keep himself holy. This blew my mind because you may not be like me, but I had this idea that once I crossed over into eternity, that my agency was gone. <laughs> like, I don't have to choose anymore. That I'm, I'm just going to be a robot now for Jesus, I guess. I don't know. Like, I, I felt like this, that there was, I don't know what I thought, but I didn't realize that apparently you have to practice righteousness still and still keep yourself holy. That means you get to choose. You get to choose in heaven for eternity. And then I was talking to Elijah and Nisi at dinner, and he was like, yeah, and Lucifer, where was he when he fell? He was in heaven. Seeing a holy God, who knows? And then, and then Dave and I are talking, and he's like, I wonder how long it took him to actually act on the thoughts that were going on in his mind. Was it a bajillion years? Was it 100 years? I don't know. It's eternity, right? But he had a choice. The creatures that are around the throne room with eyes all around with them, they have a choice. They don't have to be there. They can leave if they want to because God's good. He's so good, and he doesn't want robots. For, he doesn't want a robotic bride. He wants a lover. He wants someone who wants him. But that's like, to, for some reason, I felt like that was gone. So, okay, let's go forward. Um, let's do 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. I don't know what to do with that really, but it's like, whoa. Okay, so we have the choice again to wash our robes. We don't have to. But if you want to access the tree of life and have the right to it, the authority to it, you got to wash your robes, which means they were dirty. Purification. So is it an eternal reality that we're corrected? It's a good question to ask the Lord, I guess. I'm going to continue to ask that because I don't know. I, I, I think I'm onto something, but I don't know. I do know this that the Lord loves it when we invite him in to do that, to, to clean, to purify, to wound, to prune. He really enjoys it. My, I'm gonna brag on you again, Ashton. Ashton, feedback here in, in our house is extremely important. I just love it. I, was, I wasn't supposed to sing today with Elijah. I'm like, hey, do you want me to sing with you? Because <laughs> you know anybody. And I love Elijah. Elijah's so cool. He's like, any feedback for that song? And every song, any feedback for that song? We love feedback. At the end of our service, we always have a debrief. We always give each other feedback. We, always, we love feedback here. And, um, and so I guess this is 
just melted over into my sons because Ashton, one of the things he did, and I didn't realize, and his employers love, is he's asking his his bosses, his foreman, do you have any feedback? Is there anything I can do? Parker did it too. Parker asked just the other day, do you have any feedback for me so I can like promote blah, blah, blah? Like, what can I do better? And I'm sure your bosses were just thrilled, right, that they had the opportunity to give you some feedback. I mean, I've never heard of that. I, I, I don't hear that often, teenagers asking their employers, like, what can I do better? Most of the time, they're on their phone. <laughs> you know what I mean? So anyway, I'm really, really thankful and proud of them for asking that. So the prayer that I want, what I would like to do in closing, and I do close when I say closing, <laughs> I promise, is to pray the prayer of, start the clock, pray the prayer of David. Okay, so the prayer of David in Psalm 139. This is what I would like us to do. This is kind of, it was kind of all over the place, and I tried my best to make it linear. It was very nebulous. It was, that's my favorite word right now, nebulous. Oh, it's a fun word. Okay, 139, verse 23 and 24. Search my heart, O God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me. Uh, In my footnotes, it says, way of pain in me and lead me in the everlasting way. If there be any way of pain. Is there anything, God, that is hurting you in my heart? And this goes beyond external behavior. This goes on the inside. And thought patterns, belief systems, external behavior, obviously, we want to, we want the Lord to correct that as well. But I believe out of the heart, it's coming, always comes from the inside. So what I'd like to do, uh, David was going to come up. We have a plan for ministry time. But I just wanted to kind of say that as we, I feel like this is an important message because you can come up. I'm done. We're segueing into the ministry time. I told you I would. I want them to believe me. I'm just kidding. Anyway, I want to... Um, I feel like as Dave, I don't know if you know this, but David and some of the other people really have a heart for this neighborhood is a harvest. This is our, this is the harvest right now. And we have a huge conviction to literally just go and pray for people and invite them. But I believe that as we invite people in, there's going to be, we've been kind of, and I don't say this in a mean belittling way, but kind of in a bubble a little bit, right? Like a little bit of a bubble. If the drugged out whatever person were to come through, would we know how to love on them? If the person who's dressing completely inappropriately around the kids, would we know how to deal with that? 
how to love on them and gently correct them. So it goes for correcting our mindset for people coming in and how are we to gently shepherd people. And sometimes maybe not gently if the person's like just, you know, over and over again like being rebellious. But I just kind of felt like it was important for us to have a time before the Lord. Um, One, because David had something on his heart. I guess you can, do you want to go first and then I can go? Okay, Dave Brown. So I want everyone to be able to have the ability to write something down. So if you have a pen and paper with you, that's great. If not, then uh, once we move, move into prayer time, there's note cards and pens on the back by the prayer request box. But uh, in John, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Like Ali said, when his voice is gone, that should scare the living daylights out of you if you don't hear his voice. And the reason is eternal life is not living forever. Eternal life is knowing him. That's Jesus' definition of eternal life in John 17, 3. So when his voice is shut off, there's not a continuation of knowing him because there's no conversation happening. Um, so as I was praying, and I knew Allie was gonna talk about correction as I was uh, just praying, and I know this isn't everyone, but this was really big on my heart. And even if this isn't the case for you right now, Maybe this could become the case in 10 years, and you can be like, aha, David said something about this, and now I'm on guard against it. Um, but one of the things that, the, uh, that shuts off the voice of the Lord in our life is the correction. And the, right, uh, is the correction when it comes, we resist it, and we don't wanna do it because it touches too deep of a thing in our soul. And so we ignore the voice of the Lord, putting his finger on something. We'll still go to meetings. We'll still feel the presence of the Lord in a general way. We'll still feel you know, uplifted when we read the Bible because the presence of the Lord, there's grace in these things. There's grace at the table of communion. And so we can still feel the presence at some level, but the voice is gone. And then we can go weeks and months and years and get really comfortable without hearing the voice of the Lord on a daily basis, uh, so much so that it should be the very life of your soul. Like as I breathe in air, like the life of your soul is communion, is just the conversation with Jesus throughout the day. And beloved, again, that's eternal life and that's meant for right now, not when you die and go to heaven because you, <laughs> we're not gonna die and go to heaven and be forever. Heaven's coming to earth and you're gonna have a resurrected body and that conversation's gonna continue. Um, and so if you're in that boat, if, if that describes you of, man, I used to hear the voice of the Lord, but I don't hear it like I used to. And maybe you haven't, you know, maybe you figured like, well, it's normal if I'm on fire at the beginning and now I've kind of normaled out and I'm just a regular Christian and I'm not one of those fiery new Christians anymore. Man, that's a demonic way of thinking. Like, he's eternal fire and the closer we get to him, the more our hearts should burn. But uh, if that's you where it's like, man, I had the voice of the Lord in my life and just through the years or through the weeks or months, like some, it's, 
I don't hear it even though I feel the presence. Like I would encourage you to get to the place where you can hear him or maybe you're already questioning like, man, do I hear the voice of the Lord? And, uh, or how, how do I get that back? And this is what I want you to write down on that paper or that note card if, if this is you. What was the last thing that he told you to do and you did not do it? Return to that spot because what's happened is you're suppressing that voice to the point where you're ignoring it and the meetings and the presence that you feel in a general sense will clear your conscience in some form. But it's not the same as his voice when you lay your head on your own pillow. It's not the same as his voice when you're on your couch. It's not the same as his voice when you're at work. And so again, if you're wanting to turn the voice back on, as far as it takes, go back to the very last thing you know he said. And as hard as it is, write that down and hold yourself accountable to that. And I would encourage you to have another brother or sister, if you're a lady, get with a sister. If you're a man, get with a dude. Um, and someone that you trust that will hold you accountable, not in a mean way, but just so that they know that that's the battle you're fighting and bring it into the light and come into that moment of correction and I promise you the voice of the Lord will become clear. And the promise of Jesus and John is my sheep hear my voice. And so it's not a complicated thing to hear the voice of the Lord. You don't have to do this hours-long, new-agey, like, align your whole thing and open your third-eye baloney. Like, it's really easy to hear God. The difficulty is walking in holiness, and it takes this lifestyle of correction. So again, if that's you, like, during the prayer time, write that last thing that he told you to do on the card and be accountable to it. And then Allie had something else for the folks on, and, in another category to also write down. Yeah, so you may be hearing the voice of the Lord really well right now and obedient to him. And so I would like to use this time to um, celebrate. So if you ask the Lord just to reveal what can be celebrated in your life and just turning that into a, a memorial of an altar of thanksgiving, I guess. So to be thankful, just like give him thanksgiving for that uh, because one thing about thanksgiving, it multiplies. It Whatever it is that you're thanking him for, when Jesus lifted the loaves and the fish throughout the Eucharist, it multiplied. So, um, and that will just be unto more maturity, um, glory to glory, and more of the correction, more of the humility, more of the nearness, more of the happiness. So I would like to, everyone can participate is what I'm trying to say. So, yes. Did you want to pray or did you want... I'm gonna pray regardless, but did you wanna pray as well? Sure. Okay. And then who's got communion tonight? Cool, all right. Elijah will give you the communion eyes when we're ready. But we're just gonna take a few moments to just sit before the Lord. Um, so Father, I ask that you would quicken memories, that you would bring to remembrance that point of obedience that you were putting your finger on in a previous season. I ask that you would bring that back swiftly. And we thank you that whenever you command something, that you give us the grace to be able to do it and the life 
from doing it. We thank you there's life and nearness and closeness with you. And so we love you. I thank you for the word that was spoken, even the word on correction, Father. And we just embrace the eternal vision that you're producing in us an eternal weight of glory, that we would share in your holiness, that we would share in your divine nature. And so even as you're bringing back these memories of things that you've said, I ask that you would fill us with all hope for the eternal vision that's set before us. So set eternity in our hearts and make everything beautiful in its time. Yes, Father, I thank you for your voice, that you are a kind shepherd. I thank you, Father, for delighting in us our whole life, that you see the end from the beginning and you see what needs, you know what needs to be corrected, you know what we can handle. You've got it all mapped out for us and we wanna cooperate. I thank you, Father, for what you have done in our lives. I thank you, Lord, for the maturity that you've given us and the things that we wanna celebrate. I know when my sons were little and they're like, Mom, look at this, and they were just so excited what they accomplished, it made my heart so happy. And so, Lord, maybe be that tonight. Like, if, if there's something that we can celebrate and just create another altar for you of Thanksgiving that we can go back to as a memorial of what you've done, look what the Lord has done. Change our hearts, oh God. Thank you, Father of Lights, for illuminating our heart. Father of Lights, come and illuminate. Thank you for showing us all things. And I even um, ask God a blessing for my friends as they make intentional time in your word that you would speak clearly to them through your word, that they would have, um, they would direct them to exactly what they need to read and hear. I thank you, Father, for um, just an anointing in the dialogue as they're reading, that they're con constantly talking to you as they're reading, their prayer reading. Just thank you, Father, that you are alive, that your word is alive. Just ask God for just a special, um, just special moments in the secret place as they come and draw near to you. We love you so much. We trust you as a kind father that corrects and delights in us. We believe that when we're disciplined, we're happier, that there's joy. It's, it's sorrowful for a moment, but there's joy. There's joy coming. 
reminded of this song. I'm just going to sing a little bit, and then um, and then we'll have our time. But I don't know if you. It's an old song. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. You are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me, this is what I pray. You are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and this is what I pray. Change my heart. Change my heart, oh God. It ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. 